Welcome to KBCast, the podcast for security executives, interviewing people from around the globe on how organizations can operate smarter and stay safer. Here's Carissa Breen. I sat down with Kavika Singal, a very bold and audacious university student from Western Sydney Uni. Roles were reversed and the KB cast hot seat was hijacked by Kavika herself asking me questions on my very own podcast. She asked me some pretty direct and relevant industry questions on my thoughts around women in the industry and some of my setbacks that I've faced throughout my career. If you're keen to learn a little bit more about me and my journey, then please keep on listening. Hi, this is Kavika Singhal. I am a first year student of cybersecurity and behavior from Western Sydney University. I'm curious about cybersecurity industry offers and hence I'm interviewing security professionals. Today we have Carissa Abreen, who is the founder and CEO of KBI, a marketing and communications agency that specializes in cybersecurity and technology companies. They have been growing in this media part of cybersecurity and their podcasts have been quite famous. Welcome KB on this channel. Oh, well, thank you very much, Kavika, for having me. So how has your journey been? Did you ever imagine yourself to be here? That's a really great question because I think about this all of the time and my answer would be no. I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would ever be in IT. And to be honest, I didn't even know security even really existed up until like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago because it wasn't spoken about much. IT kind of was, but not really. So I guess when I was growing up and in high school, again, I'm just thinking about like what I was thinking about when I was actually in high school. I never actually thought about it at all. I studied fashion. So for me, this is like a 360 in terms of what I've actually done. And it still perplexes me today that I'm in this field, that I'm doing this stuff, that I love it as much as I do. And I wish And I'd like to hope that moving forward, students nowadays, not only in uni, but in high school as well, know that this is a really cool field. I didn't have that opportunity. I hope that that changes moving forward. So people do know it's a great industry to be a part of and it's growing and we need people. That sounds interesting. That's an interesting answer. And to be honest myself, I never imagined myself to be here in Australia. It's just been um, that I was curious about technology since the age of eight. And Something or the other happened and I landed up here. So it's quite interesting. You said that you are interested about what the university students think. And being a university student myself, I have always been curious about as a university student, we start our, our journey with hopes and excitement. But I've seen that soon that produced by the final year, you seem to uphold uh, that excitement and passion. What is the thing that drives you or keeps you going? Well, firstly, I'm curious to hear your response on why people sort of feel by their fourth year or their final year that their excitement's gone. Why do you think that is from your perspective? Yeah, I'm just in my first year. So when I look at this new field, I find it exciting because every day I discover new stuff. And by the end of the year, it becomes kind of a part of my routine. So, but I have seen your uh, work. I have seen your videos, but you seem to uphold that excitement. You seem to be energetic about every work you do. Each day, I think you wake up with the motive that, okay, I'm going to be this. I'm going to ace this one. So I'm I'm just curious that how can I as a student uphold that excitement in future when I actually enter this um, new world? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. And I say that because a lot of people actually ask me that. They're like, you just have this infinite amount of energy. And 
Firstly, I want to preface it with saying that I don't uh, because I do get incredibly tired, especially on the weekends. I am very tired, but in the, <laughs> the week I've, I've used a lot of my energy up in terms of what I do. I think for me, I've always definitely had a get up and go attitude. Both of my parents, I come from a very uh, hardworking family. They've taught me the key fundamentals to being successful in terms of always working hard regardless. And so I'm lucky. I think even that's been engendered into me when I was young as a child. So I guess I was lucky from that perspective. And then I I grew up in Queensland. And for those of you that are international uh, people listening, that is like the top part of Australia. So I'm in Sydney now. So I guess I moved to Sydney when I was 18. Uh, I didn't go to uni or anything like that uh, in terms of studying anything sort of professional. And I, that was scary for me because I had come from a very small coastal town and I grew up with horses and I actually, I did a bit of work in high school with agriculture. And so I was really scared. And I think from that moment, moment, it was a pivotal moment in my life when I realized that if I wanted to be successful or I wanted to be someone, I needed to move out of the town. And I thought, well, I'm going to go to the biggest city in Australia, which is Sydney. And I had been there. My dad had taken me on holidays to Sydney a number of times, and I really, really loved it. And I did say to him, Dad, I'm going to move to Sydney one day. And so when I sort of approached my parents and I said that I'm going to be moving, they were very supportive of that. And to be honest, fast forward a decade plus now, they're still very, very supportive of everything I do in terms of starting my own business And I don't honestly believe I'd be where I am today without my parents' support because I'm very close to them and I I share with them the the trials and the tribulations, my success and sometimes my my not-so-successes. And one of the things that propels me forward is that even though we get stuck in our day-to-day or this is a bit of a grind, I always think, well, one day this will make sense. One day the payoff will be there. One day... I know that what I'm working on today is going to make a ma- massive impact one day. And so that's something to me that propels me, that drives me forward, that when I'm incredibly tired, I still get up and I go every single day. And there hasn't been many days where I've been sort of thinking, well, how can we bother today? There's never really been that. There's been days when I've been incredibly sick that I physically can't work, but those days are limited. And almost three years of doing this now, I'd say that's under 10 days I've had one holiday in five years. Now, I'm not saying that that I've probably gone too far on the other end of the spectrum of going it a bit <laughs> too much, but it's because I really love what I do. And I think I've been in jobs before and I've worked for companies and I've worked for managers before that I absolutely hated. I didn't like them. I didn't <laughs> like their approach. I felt they micromanaged me. They devalued me. I didn't feel that I had this sense of pride in the work that I do now. And I've always, I've always had that, but not to the level I have now because I see the sense of ownership of what I'm doing and what I'm building. And it's exciting because it's new and it's different. And I've really put myself out there. And every single day I put myself out there on the line. And I think that not enough people are doing this. And I want to be able to show people that if I can do it, anyone else can do it as well. And to answer your question more specifically, I think it's going to be because I'm doing something that I really love and that I enjoy. And I, and I think if I wasn't doing something or it was a drag or it was boring or I hated the guy that sits next to me or whatever it is, I don't think I would have the same level of drive that I have today. And it hasn't been far off in traditional roles that I've had. Mm-hmm. But I think to me it's about legacy then as well. Like what happens, what will people say about me like when I die? 
Like I don't want to just be, oh, yeah. KB, she she did a thing and then, then then that was it. I want people to say she's done this and she's helped shape change the industry. And to me, that's what's really important to me. And maybe people don't think about that, but I think about that. And to me, I'm prepared to spend my whole life working towards something because I know in the end it'll be worth it. And I can't say many people think like that, but I've gotten to a stage in my life where I'm prepared to be incredibly patient to achieve the things that I want to achieve. Wow. I must say that from your voice, I can tell that you have a lot of energy in you and I appreciate your work, especially. And I must say that your struggle and your story has inspired me a lot. And um, you are making a change right now. I hope that I can see a change in me as well. And I hope that I can find a person like you in me when I grow up maybe in the next 10 to 20 years. Um, starting from the story, you told me that you didn't like the managers that you work with or you didn't like their work ethic. Can you tell me how is it for women in cybersecurity? In your experience, what are the lessons that you have learned the hard way from the point of view of a woman in cybersecurity and a security professional? Oh, I've definitely learned a few. Uh... So because I am very passionate, I'm very vocal, and that also comes to the territory of people don't like that. Uh, and I've always been a person of having a sense of integrity. So if I think something is wrong, I will say it's wrong, even if my opinion is the minority of opinions, and I've never been afraid of that. However, when you are working for large corporations, there's a lot of ego that goes around, and it means that people don't favor people of that opinion a lot of the time, and that happened to be me. And so I think that's number one. Number two, I think that one thing that I was heavily criticized about, and I've spoken about this publicly, was because I didn't dress like everyone else. Like I said, I studied fashion. I love it. I'm a very creative person, uh, so I love makeup and all those types of things. But that doesn't mean that I'm not as valid as any other person sitting in the room. And for a lot of my career in the early days, it 100% felt that I was not as good as everyone else because I didn't look like everyone else. I didn't speak like anyone else. I might not have had the same interests as everyone else. And to me, that's a big problem in this industry because we actually need people from a different perspective to combat cybercrime because how I think of things is not the same as the next six people who look the same and think the same and have a structured way of thinking in terms of they've all come from the same background. I haven't. I've come from a different background. And I felt that I was criticized for that. And so what I could have done is accept the criticism and then failed and then dropped out and moved to another industry, which is a lot of the time that seems to happen because women do get criticized. And men too, to be fair, and then they drop out of the industry. But I was like, no, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to push through this and I'm going to have a level of tenacity that sees me through the other side of this. Now I think in my career, I'm getting to that other side. I don't believe I get as much sort of backlash as I traditionally was, but I think in anything that you do, I mean, if you were to do anything right in life and people are going to say, oh no, that'll never work. Oh no, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And you, you could, you could have someone or a group of people saying that for 10 years and then one day people just stop because you've proven yourself time and time again, you've earned your stripes and I think I'm sort of getting to that stage now, if I haven't already, where I, I'm getting a lot less of that and a lot less pushback because people can say, hey, actually what you're doing adds value and it makes sense and how can I help contribute to that? But it hasn't been easy. And I empathize yeah. with people that have been through these types of situations because it's not easy and it made me really question myself because I was incredibly young at the time, which would mean that I was more vulnerable. If I'm young and I could be molded and then – there were times when I would listen to the criticisms, but then I would just brush it off. 
But then as a, as a byproduct of that, it made me incredibly resilient. And I don't think I would be where I am today if I didn't have that criticism in, in the early stages of my career, because it's helped me shape the person I am today in terms of the professional I am, but also just on a personal level, the, the person that I am today as well. I have resiliency now that I never thought I'd ever have because of the adversity I've been through in my career. Yep, I agree. Adversity changes you into a better version of yourself. It is said that women today are given equal opportunities, and I agree about the statement to a certain point as companies are actually offering special internships for women grads. What is your take on this matter that are there equal opportunities for women today? And is there some kind of passive discrimination that is being followed in the corporate world? Look, that's an interesting one that I think a lot of people will argue about in the industry. My my opinion on that question would be, for me personally, if I were to win a job because I was a female, that's an insult to me. That's an insult to my credibility yeah. and to my actual experience and knowledge in the field. So I would hate to think that that's ever happened. I don't believe it's ever happened. Uh, and now uh, having my own company, if that were a thing, which I don't think it is, I would rather lose than be accepted for a deal or being a female for the sake of it because, again, it's an insult. And I think overall that sort of approach, I get why people do it, but I believe that if there's four people for a job and one of them is female and she gets the role, I believe she should get the role based on her experience and her knowledge, not based because she's a female. To me, doing that type of behavior does a disservice to the industry because not only are you insulting yeah. the people that are getting the roles, you're also insulting the other people that perhaps may have more experience than the person who got the role because she was female. So to me, it doesn't really add up. And I would say over time, if people continue to operate like that, we're going to have a, a surplus of people that are leading that aren't actually credible for the job. And it, then as a result of that, people are going to get annoyed because they're like, oh, well, she only got the job because she's a female and I'm actually more qualified than her. But to me, I think people need to think long term about the implications of doing that and what actually happens to our industry over time, not for the immediate, over time, because that's going to create a problem. And it's actually going to create a divide because people are going to get annoyed because people are getting jobs that they're not really valid for. Yep, I agree. I agree because the main motive of uh, introducing internships and empowering women is that bring them on an equal platform and not the other way around. So I think that's valid. Um, coming back to your profile, uh, the profile of a cybersecurity media specialist, this job profile seems to be quite distinctive. How did you create such an opportunity for yourself? Well, the operative word there is an opportunity simply because I saw an opportunity in the market. And the opportunity that I saw was that, so the company is split into a digital Marcoms agency. And then the other side of that is the media side of it. So for example, the podcast. And one of the gaps that I saw was people at security conferences. One of the main points of contention that was always raised is security awareness. And I literally was speaking to another lady today about this very topic that a lot of people complain about security awareness, but they actually aren't changing their ways and they're not disseminating their content across multiple channels to get buy-in from people who reside on those channels. And so what I, I had a blog in 2016 
And I started interviewing people. And admittedly, I didn't really know what I was doing back then, but I sort of knew that content and building a blog and building profile would attract customers because at the at the time I was working in a consulting based role. And so I needed to do that. And it was from there that, that was sort of the genesis of why I created KBI to to solve two problems. Well, number one, from the media perspective, from a security awareness point of view, like I've just mentioned. And then number two, helping companies communicate their message because cyber is an area that's incredibly complex. It's technical. You need to have worked in the field to understand it and to put things in a way that people understand first and foremost, because I think a lot of there's a lot of good technology out there, but a lot of people can't understand it. And I think KBI sits in that golden area, in that hybrid space to help these companies communicate better. I had seen a few people toy with the idea, uh, but hadn't really sort of taken it to another level. And so I've wanted to take it to another level with the modern approach and moving away from the dudes and the hoodies and all that type of stuff, because I think that's a fundamental reason as to why we have a lot of issues in the market in terms of an attraction to cyber, because we advertise it wrong as an industry. So I wanted to change the lens of how people viewed cyber. And so I thought, well, if I produce content and podcasts and videos and blogs, perhaps people's perspective and experience will change with the industry from multiple different angles. So whether that's you're an Australian public person that doesn't know about, for example, COVID safe app, they want to get information, we can provide that. If a company doesn't know how to communicate their message, we can help them as well. And so I wanted to bring that all together in terms of a comms perspective to have a profound impact on the industry because, again, a lot of people were saying that awareness isn't there and I wanted to sort of take the bull by its horns and actually address the problem head on. Uh, Your passion for your work really motivates me. And that's why I'm asking this question. What is the most exciting part about your job? What do you love the most about your job? Oh, I think I like a lot of things about my job. I think because like you said, I've created this to put me in a bucket. I don't belong in a bucket. I might belong in like six or seven different buckets because I do a little bit of everything. And to me, because I do a little bit of everything, I think that's what's really exciting about the work that we do and the role and the function that I do. I think for me, it'll be the change and the impact. And to be fair, I haven't even started yet about the stuff that's going to be happening. We're working on a whole bunch of stuff that's in development at the moment, that's under wraps that we will be doing in terms of moving forward to propel this industry in the right direction that I believe I think it needs to actually move in. So there's that. I think the people that I have had the opportunity to speak with, whether it's interviewing them on my podcast that they inspire me. I think it's people like yourself, students that are really keen and are driven and are so hungry to actually work in this field. And these are the people that this industry needs. We don't want people that are going to sort of just chill out and not really care. We want people that are driven, that are passionate, that have this gravitational pull towards cyber. And I think that that is something that I'm incredibly grateful. I I did recently did a presentation at Macquarie Uni. I was buzzing after that because I could just see these people, these students that were just so keen and eager to learn. And then I think just people that perhaps even on a personal level that said, Hey, I saw your video. Um, I suffer with depression. This was, this is true. Uh, A lady wrote to me on the other side of the earth and she said, Hey, I saw your videos and I see them. And then I actually feel really motivated and inspired by them. And it really helps me because I suffer badly with depression. So to me, even on a personal level, that is something that excites me because I think in life, if you can help or influence or change one person's life, then I think that you're doing a great job. And to me, if I can multiply that, then that would make me incredibly happy. 
I remember that I saw your post on LinkedIn, a quote that you wrote about being motivated all the time. And you said that it's okay to fail, but get up the next day and do your best. I screenshotted it and put it in my phone. So I remember that. And I believe that you are making an impact. You are impacting each and everyone. Either is it uh, is it by your podcast or by your LinkedIn posts. It motivates us because though our motivation comes from inside, when someone is telling you that, no, you can do it, it actually works. It actually works. It has worked with me. Coming back to me being a university student, I would love to know how cybersecurity different from any other IT job. What are the different aspects of it? Elaborating on the different aspects of it, I want a clean discussion about the technical and the non-technical part of cybersecurity. Yeah, that's a great question. I think from my point of view, if you're looking at security, as you know, like this industry evolves like rapidly, like daily, like probably by the second it changes. So for me, from a technical point of view, you need to constantly upskill yourself. Now, when I was working more on the tools roles, the roles I had traditionally speaking, like my skills are probably atrophied now from what I was doing. That was a fair while back. And if I wanted to get back into doing that, I would need to do a lot of work to, to learn how to do those things again. So how this is different from other roles because the industry evolves and it moves so rapidly versus other sort of technical roles out there, like an engineer, like, yes, of course, like things will change, but not to the same pace. So for me, I would say this is different because of the speed in which the industry moves at. And so that I think is really important and critical because if you want to stay relevant in this industry, you need to ensure that your skills are constantly moving forward with the times because eventually things will become obsolete or your skills may atrophy. You need to ensure that you're constantly learning because if you're not learning, then you may not be able to combat cybercrime. You need to be learning from other people, even if they are uh, your quote unquote junior people, because you can still learn from a fresh perspective as well. So people should leave their egos at the door and realize that they can actually learn from other people. I learned so much just from talking to other people about stuff as well. So I sort of absorb it like a sponge. And so I think people need to continuously do that in order to stay ahead of the curve. And then from a non-technical point of view, people need to think about where the industry is moving. How are people actually responding to data breaches for one of them? How are people uh, being scammed? Like there's been a lot of stuff with dog scams and the COVID scam, like, why is that still happening? What are we going to do as an industry to combat that? Speak to people, talk to people in ways that they understand. Bucketing everyone into the same sort of category and then trying to speak to them one way doesn't work. We know this. Yet people still continue to do the same thing and then complain that nobody listens to them. So perhaps people need to take a step back and think, well, perhaps what I'm doing from a communications point of view isn't working and I need to do something else. And so that's why I see this industry different from uh, other parts of tech, but even industries outside of what we do completely is because of the pace. The cyber industry is experiencing an exponential growth. And I agree that we need to keep updated every now and then. It is actually predicted that the world would witness a boom in the cyber world in the next five to 10 years. What are the challenges you face and how do you keep up with the tech race? Like how do you keep yourself updated again and again? Yeah, I think a lot of people actually ask this question too. So in terms of keeping up with stuff, big reason why I created this podcast, so people can get relevant information about what's actually happening and the level that we target is an executive level. So it could be a CISO or a CTO or CIO, but it could also be a CFO or a CEO. 
And so we want to be able to give people people synthesized information about what's actually happening, getting different perspectives. I think the other thing would be that people need to constantly be reading and and reading all types of literature, not just security stuff then as well, like leadership, for example, communications, uh, best practice around digital transformation, for example, because of COVID and people having to now work remotely and things like that. So people should be constantly reading. The other thing that I would say as well is you need to ensure that you're going to meetups and events and conferences whether you're trying to grow your brand or you're trying to get business or you want to meet other people, you need to be doing that. And you need to be constantly doing that as well because new stuff does come out and how people hear of it is because they've heard it at a conference. And then maybe someone writes a blog article, they talk about it on a podcast. So you need to be able to find those forums, whether it's in person or digital channels to actually get that information from. And then I think just talking to people in the industry as well. Like I said, I learned so much from just talking to other people on the podcast and hearing their thoughts and opinions. And then I listen to that. I retain that information and then I synthesize my own viewpoint about that particular topic as well. I think that because we are in the information day, I think it's going to be a challenge. But the people that stay ahead of it are the people that are tuned in, dial into the right type of uh, content to be able to get what they need and to be able to leverage their teams and if they're trying to buy new technology to go and do the research for them. And so I think that's now changing because there is so many products and services out there and people feel overwhelmed and they feel fatigued because there's so much stuff going on out there. But again, it's about finding those platforms that give the synthesized information for people to go and look at and to read. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing. I actually look forward to including those skills like leadership and communication in my skill set. Coming back to that, what is the industry looking for in a university graduate or student? I'm going to answer this two ways. So the first way would be if I speak about everyone else, perhaps, or people who are not me or think like me, they would probably, yeah, they, of course, they would care about degrees and how well you, you did and all that type of stuff. But for me personally, technical skills or knowledge or any of that stuff you can teach people. One thing you cannot teach or it's harder to teach is attitudes. If someone's lazy, it's really hard to get an outcome out of them because they're lazy or because they don't care or because they don't want to try or because they don't want to go and do research about something they don't know about. So to me, I would prefer to look for people that have talent and capability and everything else you can train because that's the way I got into this as well. I didn't have a degree. I didn't have a lot of experience in this, but I had a drive and I was so determined and I learned stuff on the job. But to me personally, that's what I would look for. And someone that asks questions, challenges the status norms, challenges me to be like, Hey, have you thought about it like this? Because to me, when you're, when you're in a leadership type of role, like you have to do a lot of thinking all of the time. But if you've got like staff that are questioning like what you're doing and what I mean by that is, uh, not being antagonistic towards the questioning, but just being curious. And I think that having curiosity and asking questions, that to me is a massive driver. I don't think enough people ask questions. Is it because they're scared, perhaps, or is it because they don't think about stuff? I don't know. But I think the more stuff that you ask, and when people come to me now, like even yourself, I think you messaged me on LinkedIn and you're like, hey, can I interview? And I was like, yes, yeah, sure. To me, that's like one rare <laughs> yeah. And two, I was like, that's awesome. That's bold because that sounds like something that I would do. And if you're not bold in this earth, like you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. 
I agree. Thank you for giving us so much time, so much of your time for this podcast. Like this is literally the reverse. I didn't even imagine myself interviewing you. And uh, sorry for taking your seat, but I'm really enjoying this position. What is the last message that you would like to give your audience? For me, I think, especially from a, a student's perspective, is no one's going to hand you anything in life because one, no one really cares enough. Like no one cares about your career more than you do. Like, yes, okay, your mum, dad, your, your husband, your wife. Yes, okay, of course they care. But at the end of the day, whether you're successful or not successful doesn't really impact them, it impacts you. And so for me, I've accepted that that's a fact that no one's going to give me anything and I have to work hard at it day in day out to get the outcomes because no one's going to go oh here you go Kavika here you go KB he's an amazing career no one's going to do that no one's thinking about you too much so once you get past that you start doing things for yourself and you start like I said being bold going after stuff that you want you get knocked back from a job go for another one you're told you're not good enough that's okay get good enough so you are good enough people are going to tell you no more than they're going to tell you yes and that is perfectly fine. But it's up to you on which way you're going to take it. Are you going to just go accept defeat and say, oh, well, I got knocked back. I'm just going to give up. Or are you going to take it on the chin and you're going to try again? I hope to think it's the latter, not the former, because that is the attitude that you need in any career, not just security or tech or anything like that, to be successful. And if you want to be someone that of greatness, you have to be prepared to do the things that no one else is prepared to do. That is working really, really hard, being incredibly conscientious with your working. And you obviously need to give time back to yourself as well. Like I've definitely gone the other end of the spectrum, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, but those are the types of things, but it's up to everyone else. You decide if you don't want to be I don't know, the Bill Gates of security or whatever, then that's fine too. Decide that. But when once you decide it, continue with it. Don't just slack off and think, oh, well, it's okay. Um, maybe someone will give me a break. No one in life is going to give you a break. It's up to you as the person to drive it forward. Thanks for the podcast, KB. And I this podcast was actually a lesson of determination and perseverance can t- take you to heights. Thank, thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we hope you got some new ideas or ways of thinking from this episode. And remember, you can always reach out to our guests if you do have more questions. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and we always love to hear your feedback. So leave a review on iTunes and we might just give you a shout out on a future episode. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as on at I am Carissa Breen on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to know more about how we help tech companies, check out carissabreenindustries.com. Until next time, stay safer.